0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andre from the Opinionated Podcast, and I just want to remind you that we are live every Sunday on our Facebook page, and you can find us wherever you stream your music at the Opinionated Podcast. So we drop a new episode every Tuesday. So remember to like, share, comment, and don't forget to subscribe. Enjoy so, the I show. Saved conversations
1: <laughs> for the podcast, bro. That's who we—that's who we. That's what we saved I know.
2: For. That's how we. So what was we y'all talking about? Um, i was looking. looking- I think is is it possible that his name is Neville Gallimore? He plays for, I think he plays for Dallas. Yeah, he plays for the Cowboys. And he and he does Muay Thai, right? He, he doesn't do Muay Thai. He trained with one of my buddies a few oh, okay. years back. Yeah. He did the drilling because my buddy's a genetic freak. <laughs> like you look at him, he's just like he's a freak of nature. But he trains. He trained monsters. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> him. I just need, yeah, six foot two, 300 pounds. Yeah, that's the boy. Yeah, big man, big man. So y'all, yeah. <laughs> y'all, talking about, y'all
1: talking about my favorite Muay Thai. yeah yo, would you, uh, Dutch style or what style do you use? No Muay Thai. No, the I'm a Muay, Muay, Thai, Muay Thai guy. guy. Yeah. I'm,
2: uh, I'm a, I'm a crew in, I'm a crew of Muay Thai too. Like I've been certified under the, the Thai government. I've been at it for like 20 years, man. Yeah, man. It's, yeah. uh, Muay Thai is a beautiful sport. I know. I did it
1: for about, did it for about eight years and then I had to stop, bro. Like I love it.
2: Why'd you have to stop no, getting finan- too old?
1: Like first it was financial reasons. I that too, yeah. but I'm about to I'm about to go <laughs> I'm about to take it back up with just straight training. No fighting, just want to train, that's all. That's I don't I,
2: But that's all yeah. you should do, man. That's all you should do. Fighting is uh I just fought amateur. I got about like twelve or fifteen fights, but it's not good for your brains, nah. man. If you you can say whatever you want, unless you come from You know, there's situations that you can be in where you're poor, you don't have anything else going on, and that's your way out is to fight. All the respect to you. But if you don't need to, if you have another way to make money where you can use your brain and not get it damaged, it's probably a good idea not to get punched and kicked too much, uh,
1: I I know we just jumped into it. We got... Nico, right here, <laughs> hey, Listen, I know we're rude and everything like that, but you was like speaking my language. Y'all talking about Muay Thai? I just, I just love it, man. I think that was one of one of the top fighting styles out there, man. I just love the sport all together.
2: Yep. Yeah, it it is the best striking, in my opinion, especially. You know, the beauty is elbows and knees because I've broken my hand in people's face outside of a ring before. When you're not padded with nine with nice 16-ounce glove, your hands are not that strong, right? If you catch somebody in the forehead, they're going to break and it takes a long time to heal. And I was just writing about this this morning how... You know, in Canada, there's snow or ice on the ground for six months out of the year. You can't really kick people no. either. Like in a real fight, it doesn't make right. sense. But elbows, you won't break your elbows in somebody's face, nor will you break your knees in somebody's face. Espe- yeah. It's a yeah, beautiful especially song. Especially
1: when you know guys like to grapple. The first thing they want to do is try to grab you up, and you can just freaking pull yep. and just come right over
3: top yep. of that
2: elbow. Cool. Yes. Oh yes, or that nice uppercut right down the middle well, as they're grabbing. Bang, bang. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you have to make the noises too. Yeah, know. You know, when you're hitting... we've been
1: doing, oh, oh. doing that. yeah. You have to.
2: If you have no crowd, you do it exactly. yourself. It's all good. <laughs> What, so, so what got you into
0: like you know, like the fighting world? Like, um, you know what I mean? Like martial
2: arts? Is, and- is there a language no, barrier no. here? Can I? I'm somebody that's very expressive and Gosh, I swear a lot. Hell so, we no. uh, oh, run. Right.
3: <laughs> yeah, we go, we go hard here.
0: Go
2: <laughs> what, hard. what, what? You know, man, when I was when i was a kid i got like when i was younger i got bullied i was a bitch i was a coward i didn't know how to deal with it like i had this guy that used to really fuck with me beat me up and you know it it kind of stays in your head right i grew up without a father this is mostly this is mostly what i do right i grew up without a father figure so now i try to help young men kind of develop or find that father figure that they need because let's not lie to each other as boys men We're always looking for mentors. We need strong men to show us what it means to become a man. And I didn't have that growing up, and it bothered me. And for years after I got bullied, it was still in the back of my head fucking with me. I knew that I was a bitch. Deep down, I knew that if somebody would ever to attack me or somebody would ever try to do something, I'd be a fucking coward. And one day out of the blue, there's no really specific reason. I just figured that I should... Uh, stop being a victim and start martial art so i tried everything from i had a friend that had a dojo in taekwondo so i did taekwondo boxing kickboxing and then one day i fell into muay thai mm-hmm. and man that's almost 20 years ago and from there i you know i started because i didn't want to be a victim it evolved to having a crazy fucking coach that used to call me meathead because i I uh, I'm kind of an idiot when I spar, when I fight, I like to go hard, I like to play hard and next mm-hmm. thing I knew I was in a ring. A couple of years after that I won a title, a North American title and then after that I became a Muay Thai instructor and I've coached I've coached amateur champions and that was just, you know, it, it really came from being bullied to knowing how to defend yourself to coaching people to then Doing BJJ, then doing wrestling, because nowadays I'm 40 years old. I don't fight anymore, but I am, I do understand the value as a man. I need to be a protector. So I evolved my training to Krav Mega to know how to defend against multiple attackers, guns, knives. I took a lot of classes on how to shoot, how to be able to operate, shoot guns, how to deal with knives, how to use knives. So, you know, it's just, it's been a 20 years journey from. Twenty-five, probably twenty-six-year journey from being bullied to being a monster. Today, oh, yeah. right?
1: speak, speaking of that, man, like I, my father, I think my father left my mother when he was ten years old, and I remember my father, and I had to fight. Like he didn't play. Like I remember one time, it was a kid, he was this kid. I was like nine years old, and this kid was like thirteen. He was thirteen, and he had his brother with him. He was eighteen, and he wound up yep. tapping me on my shoulders. I turned around, not like knocked me unconscious. 18-year-old grabbed my younger brother, Kyle, and threw him over the sign. Like, that next week, like, that next day, like, my dad had to put me out there. And, I mean, I was fucking petrified to fight this dude. But my father put me out there. Like, the only way you're going to gain this fucking guy's respect if you go whoop his ass. You're not going to get in any other way. Win, lose, or draw, go out there and fucking fight. And Mm -hmm. that's like, you know, I know a lot of not the same thing negative about women but women sometimes when raising a boy they you know they try to coddle him like oh it's okay he beat you up like let it go here forget about it Where yeah. his men was like look they don't understand that you really got to stand up to you know bullies and show them that you're not afraid cuz nobody wants to fight i don't give a fuck with anybody saying nobody wants to get hit in the face i don't care how tough and strong you are you don't want to get hit in the face so in order to gain that bully's respect you have to fight fucking back like you got to fight fire with fire and now with this everything, I understand it's 2023. They want to change all that fucking shit. Like, oh, you know, go tell the teacher and everything. That shit doesn't work, man. Like that shit just makes it a lot worse for you in school, bro. I was, I was a
3: little different with yeah. mine because I was like the anomaly in the hood because I was raised by my father and my grandparents. So, so there you go. My, my mom wasn't, she was in the picture, but she wasn't really in the picture. And, um, yeah. The one thing that my dad used to always tell me is there's a time and a place for everything. You know what I mean? Try not to get involved in situations when it comes to school, but always remembered, you know, don't, don't be scared of a situation. You know what I mean? You're going to have to, you're going to have to deal with that sooner or later. Somebody wants to fight you. You got to protect yourself physically. So you got to, he tried to, when I, since I was young, he tried to instill courage into me. Now when I wasn't, that doesn't mean I won every fight for sure, but I knew that, you know, I can't, I can't walk away from this scenario. It's going to always come back. So my dad would always tell me, look, if you can't handle it outside of school, protect yourself, but you're going to handle this situation. You're not walking away from this. You know what I mean? Most of the time when you're younger and you fight somebody later on in life, you guys become friends. You know what I mean? It's normally kid shit. As an adult, when you're fighting in the ring, How is the mentality when you're going in there to actually fight an opponent?
2: You know, uh, just before I answer that question, there's something I'd like to say, because I I feel that you might not want to say it out loud, but I'll fucking say it. Women cannot teach a man, I cannot teach a boy how to be a man. It takes a man to teach a boy how to become a man in the same fucking way that I cannot teach a girl how to become a woman. I'm not a fucking woman, but I am a man and I can teach a boy how to become a man. And if that man is not present, my mom I was raised by a single woman. My mom should have found a strong man. It doesn't need to be her, a husband. It doesn't need to be a boyfriend. It just needs to be a strong man. That was her responsibility as a single mother to find a strong man for me to be able to mold myself after to look up to because no matter what, As a man, you're always going to look up to somebody. And when I was 14 years old, what the fuck did I know about what a good man is? I used to be that white guy that listened to rap back in the 90s. I catered to gangsters, to drug dealers, to guys that mistreated women. What the fuck do you think I had? I was selling drugs. I was 15 years old. I was out of school and I was an addict and a fucking alcoholic. Because my idols, that's what they did. What the fuck did I know, right? Yeah, I but it, it it it's just, you know, this is, but it's a simple truth. Like, it's nothing, whatever happened to your father, whatever happened to my, my father was a coward and he left. You know what? It is what it is. That, I can't control that. Right. But at the end of the day, shit's going to happen and we're still going to look for mentors. It is the job of our parents, mother to find that mentor for you and i'm sure you agree with that because you come it seems like you come from a similar background to me and today it seems like it's not okay to say this out loud i get because most of the content that i put out there and i post three or four times a day is about this this is what i care about is this because i know what it feels like and nobody on this planet can tell me that i'm Ah. wrong if i'm wrong is because you haven't been through it and you don't understand psychology and you need to start fucking reading and hanging out with young men that are 10, 12, 14 years old to see how much they need a father. Speaking
1: on that, look at, just look at the fucking 90s. Like, in the 90s, when the drugs hit, oh, yeah. epidemic hit, a lot of fathers was taken out of homes and, and pulled from homes. Absolutely. I ain't gonna lie, my Absolutely. pops left. I had the kids down the, you know what I mean, the older guys down the street selling drugs. That's what I thought you supposed to be. They had money, they had jewelry, they had mm-hmm. the women. I'm like, okay, well, I didn't, you know, I had a, my grandparents here, my grandmother, my grandfather, my, like I was raised by my grandfather also. He always tell me, yo, stay away from them. That's not what you want to be. Don't be doing that. You know, I, I seen that man with one arm. He, my grandfather had one arm. I seen my grandfather mow the fucking lawn every day, rake the leaves, rake the leaves. You know, he was disabled, but you know, take care of the fucking house, do what he had to do, get up, make money, whatever. So. Every day I just seen that and that kind of stared me from my vision of wanting to be on that corner and wanting to be more like my grandfather. It was like this man make, wakes up every fucking day with one arm and fucking works his ass off all day long from sun up to sundown. So in my mind, like, all right, I guess and that's what a man's supposed to be. When I fucking come home and I'm not doing nothing, I feel like shit. I'm like, it's something around this house I'm supposed to be doing. My wife be like, go sit down, go take a nap. I'm like but in the back of my mind I seen my grandfather did, so it was mm-hmm. like I got to do that exact same fucking thing on the fucking lazy excuse or poor excuse for a man. Like my sons, I tell them straight up, you want fucking money from me? I'm not handing you money. You want to cut the grass for me? Cut the grass. You want to clean my car, clean my car. You're going to do a job to earn money from me. And you're going to see me get up in every day that I don't want to get up and go to work, go to fucking work and come home. That way you see it. I ain't got to tell you, you just see it that way. Hopefully you'll do the same thing like I did. And,
3: and uh, to just to go off of that fact, and that's one thing that brought me, Dre and Kev closer from, I mean, me and Kev always, we're family. So we've always been close, but bringing Dre into the picture as well. We've all had our grandfathers there to kind of direct us and instill, um, the right things as a man growing up. Like, um, I mean, I mean, I, I was, I was. Fortunate enough to have my father, but was unfortunate to not have my mother. They were fortunate enough to have their mothers and not as fortunate to have their fathers in their lives that they should be. But one thing that we all shared in common is we all we well, me and Kev knew our grandparents knew each other, obviously, and um, we all got to meet each other's grandfathers and seeing the similarities within our lives and the things that were instilled, and that made our bond tighter. I mean, I love, love Dre and Kev's grandfather like they were my grandfather. You know what I mean? And you can see how, first of all, they didn't take no shit. That's number one. And two is <laughs> all three of these men were hard working, working men. They instilled values in us of being a man, knowing that there was still something missing in our lives, whether it was a father, mother, whatever the case may be. They could pinpoint, um, the problem and was able to. You know, kind of guide us in a direction where we are, what we are now. So, I mean, I don't know if I would say I was more fortunate to have my dad, but what I was fortunate was for is to have everybody in one house.
1: Dre, like you haven't said, like you was raised by your mother, and you and Nico, you know, similar situations. I remember you telling me a story that you, you know, kind of maybe got punched, yeah, ran from the fight. Like, what was like, like why? Explain that, man. Just explain.
0: Uh, uh, the one thing, the one thing, um, that I'll let Nico get back to, you get back to his story. Cause you know, I was very interested, but I, I'll tell you mine real quick. Um, I wasn't taught how to fight. My yeah. mom, my mom told me, uh, see, all right. So now we're going to get deep. Okay. Ahead, so <laughs> me and my mom are very much alike. Very okay. much like. And my, my brother, I have a little brother, I have a couple of little brothers, but my one brother by the same mother and father is more like my dad, very hot headed, very like, you know, what I'm saying been fighting since since then, because I was there to teach him how to fight. Um, And then he took it and became a whole nother type of person. But my mom has to be fucked with, fucked with, fucked with before she snaps. And then, you know, there's a whole story on the projects about her beating another lady up at one point because (laughs) the lady kept fucking with her every day. I am very much the same where at the time when I was a kid, people would fuck with me every day. I'm the funny guy. They would fuck with me every day, fuck with me every day. And I kind of wouldn't do nothing until I had to do something. And then usually when I had to do something, I beat somebody's (laughs) ass. You know what I'm saying? But it took so long of of me under, of getting picked on for different things for me to understand, you know what? If I just fight, most of the time these people aren't even going to want to fight me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You hit them once, and then all of a sudden they turn into a, a bitch. You know what I mean? So that's, that's kind of my story
2: as well. Yeah. But you know, there's a fine line, though. This is, you know, I... I, I went from being bullied to, f- to learning how to fight, to enjoying fighting, to go out, not looking for it, but inviting it. Like I've had an alcohol problem for a very long time. Like until I, I picked myself up at the beginning of my twenties, I still had, uh, I, I was probably an alcoholic for eight to 10 years, right? And I was looking for, it. I don't know, shit, what did I, You know, I was inviting it. I wasn't looking for it, but I I was inviting it. I was putting myself in situations where that possibility of fighting could happen. So this is the problem. There's a fine line between not knowing how to fight, wanting to fight, and then understanding that you should never fight unless you're put in a situation where you have no other choice. And this comes from time, like it takes, it it comes with time, it's wisdom. Now I will do anything I can to not fight, although I'm in probably the best shape of my life. So it's, it's interesting as how we grow older, we just understand, well, at least most of us or some of us start understanding that fighting is not needed unless it's a self-defense situation or unless you're defending your wife, your kids, your loved ones, somebody that's with you, whoever that might be. This is the only reason I would ever do something today is if you put your hands on me. That's yeah. it. Or on my girlfriend, obviously, but on my, if you put your hands on somebody I love, except for that, I'll call, I'll tell you that you're the best person to live on the split. You're better than splice bread, right? <laughs> There's no ego there. Yeah. I don't care. Right. At this point, I don't need to hurt somebody in order to prove to them that they're bitches.
0: Does that come from the knowledge of that you could whip their ass
2: <laughs> at any point in time? <laughs> I mean, to be honest, yeah. You know what? I don't think so. I think it comes from, I, I spent, you know, I was a hothead for a very long time. I've had some anger issues for most of my life too. Um, I'm a hothead. Like, I, I, I do a lot of extreme shit, pretty much. Think about all the extreme shit a, a guy can do. I probably dabbled with it because I enjoyed the, adre- the adrenaline. But the last two and a half years, hold on. I've been on the road now for four months. Cause I don't think you guys know that, but I'm on the road, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm Canadian. I'm traveling the U.S. in an RV right now with my girlfriend. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah okay. Um,
1: yeah, uh, I know that. I seen, I read the I want to hear more about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to
3: get into that. We're going to go
2: pin in that. We, yeah, we we're in Austin right now. So I'm happy because it's like 25 degrees or 20 degrees outside. Like, well, Celsius, I'm not talking. You guys are thinking Fahrenheit, yeah. but it's like 65, 65 yeah. ish right now. Yeah. All right. Um,
1: <laughs> only, only no, but I spent
2: the last two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the last two and a half years I spent in the middle of the woods in the log cabin and a year and a half of that was by myself. So. I when COVID happened in Canada, we had some massive, res- like massive, massive um restrictions on everything. So everything closed. I got to work from home for a very long time. And, you know, I decided I would work on that aspect of myself that I needed to spend time alone in order to reflect on all those problems that I have. Like that anger issue, for example, was a big problem that I've had to deal with for most of my life. But I would say that I I don't want to say I cured it because it's still there. It's just I control it. But it's through meditation. I think meditation and mix meditation mixed with martial arts have given me the tool in order to deal with it. Mm. On top of the introspection, because I think in the Western world we lost something in martial arts. Like if you go to Thailand, for example, the 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 Thais are very integrated with Buddhism in their culture. So mm. to them, Buddhism is just normal. So it's not necessarily part of Muay Thai, but it is so normal to them because it's just part of their nature. It's just part of their culture. Same thing as you go for Kung Fu guys that live in the middle of nowhere, monks, they're extremely religious, but they're fucking killers. Like those guys will rip you to shred. They just never will do it. But they have the tools to do it. And why do you think that is? Because we all have a monster inside. of I like to call it the monster. You can call it the dark side, the shadow self. However, if you're a union or if you're a Jordan Peterson fan, they all have different ways of calling it. But we all have a monster, right? As a man, you have a monster. You're capable to be the most vicious thing on this planet. You can cause a high amount of damage to somebody you don't like. But it is up to you to learn to control it. Not only should you be a very dangerous person, But you should be a very calm person. You should have that under control. Because what's the use of denying our dark side? We all have Mm -hmm. it, and if you don't control it, it will control you like it has controlled me for a big portion of my life. Speaking
1: that, yeah, speaking that. Let's go back to you saying because you said you was fifteen, you were selling drugs and all that. I'm guessing that's more your darkest side. Like, why? Looking back on it, why you think you why do you think you were so rebellious and you had so much you know anger? I know you said your father was it anything else you know at that point in time that was also pushing that monster inside of you?
2: I don't even know that back then. You know what? That's a good question what you're asking, but I think that it was more to do with a dream that I have. Like you can laugh all you want at what I'm going to say, but I used I started writing. Rap song when I was fourteen years old. That's like five years. I think it's four years prior to Eminem's first album. I wanted to be the first white known rapper, as as funny as this sounds, right? And this just went with the culture. Like to me, it was totally normal. Like I, I was a big fan of Wu Tang Clan. I was a big fan of Nas. It was written album. I'm not talking about the stuff that came out after. I'm talking about the 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 first albums. I'm I, I'm talking about Outcast their first album. I'm talking about all the groups like a Mob Deep when they first came out. Those guys yeah. were gangsters, and I don't think it had anything to do with a monster. I was just a boy that looked for a strong man figure because that is what we do. That's in that's ingrained in us. That's part of our DNA, and to me. I saw gangsters that weren't scared of shit, that made a shit ton of money, and they came from nothing. I don't come from money either. I, ca- I come from a very, like when my mother took us, we were poor. We lived in a shitty place for a long time. And you know what? This, to me, spoke to me. Because if those guys could do it, that means I could do it too. They They, they had no tools that I did not possess except balls and a dream. That's all those guys had. And that spoke to me. I I don't think I was conscious in a way that I was trying to feed a monster. But gaining through that life, because I did sell the drugs, I did hang out with the type of guys that could have put me into jail. And thank fucking God I I was lucky on that side. But at the end of the day, I just wanted a strong man in my life and I didn't know where to look. Mm. I think it's as simple. as I don't think that it's more complicated than that is just with time that demon got fed that monster got fed because when you're surrounded by all the negative energy that comes with being in that world day in day out if you're drinking every day you're smoking every day you're selling drugs every day and that is all you're consuming on a daily basis, i what positivity that i have in my life back then
1: Not, i mean it's it's facts because living that type of lifestyle Just being, like, adjacent that, like, it was always fucking dangerous. It was always, like I tell people, when drugs first hit back here, I remember I was, I tell the story all the time, I hate telling it, but I I knew what death was when I was fucking seven years old. My mom best friend got stabbed to death over a crack rock. I knew what that was. I seen people, I seen cousins get beat down, washed in blood by the dope boys on the corner. I seen all that. I seen, I had guns, I had a gunshot at me playing at the park because the drug boys got a new gun. You know what I'm saying? It's just a very, and it does make you like, it's like, God damn, I can't be a fucking kid. I gotta be something else or I'm not gonna be able to survive or come out my house. And it's a fucked up way of being. Like I wanna go outside, but I gotta be, you know, I gotta have a little bit in me to go the fuck outside or I won't be able to survive out there.
0: You had to become your version of a man yeah. at that yeah. point, because if if there's, there's no, if there's no father in the house, you still gotta you know do things at the crib for your mom. You still gotta, but you gotta go outside knowing that can't nobody can't nobody hurt what we got going on, and I gotta protect that because we don't have anybody else. You have to become your version of a man, what you looked up to at that time. You had to become that virgin and for a lot of us it was yeah. the drug dealers it was the rappers it was all that because that's what we thought success was
2: we were wrong. you know I, you, we were wrong in the people we idolized but mm-hmm. they still had success. Yeah. you look at a guy like Nas that comes from a very fucked up background he's awesome like as a human being oh, this God, God, guy God. to this day is one of the top five lyricists that guy's not a rapper. He's a fucking lyricist. You listen to his rhymes. That dude is a genius. He is a very, he is not an educated man by today's standards, as in he didn't go to university. But I I guarantee you this, he can hold this conversation with anybody on this planet and sound very intelligent. But, you see, I did not idolize him for that. I idolized those guys for the bad reason. But look at a drug dealer. What is he? He's a business guy. Mm Mm-hmm. He's in a very dangerous business. But yep. I to this day, I'm an entrepreneur. I have four different businesses. And where the fuck do you think that comes from? That mindset started when I was a kid and I sold drugs. I had the wrong means, but the idea at the end of the day is still the, the product is wrong. But the idea is okay.
0: <laughs> I, it's funny. I just was talking to my cousin yesterday about this. My cousin did 15 years in prison. Mm. Um, he came home like three years ago, talking to him about the same exact thing. About how selling drugs and all that, you're really a businessman. And he's he's struggling right now. He's not struggling, but his thought changing his thought process. He says he's never going back to jail no matter what. And I want to take what I was doing in the street and turn it into legitimate business and then help the his his focus now is helping kids the same way you talking about keeping them off the street and trying to get them in the and I admire that because I feel like It's sad to say, but without that 15 years in prison, that was his way of learning. Without that 15 years in prison, he wouldn't be like that now. He might be dead. You know what I mean?
2: And you know what? This is, again, this is one of the problems that I see today in society is that we're shielding our children so badly to not experience pain, to not experience bad, bad things to happen to them because we want to shelter them. We want them to not be hurt. But Mm -hmm. if it wasn't for the fact that I didn't have a father, if it wasn't for the fact that I stopped going to school when I was 15 years old, that I did all the stupid shit that I do, I would not be on a mission to help young men and men become good men. This is my life. This is my fucking life mission now. And it only comes because I did not have it. And I know how important it is for a man to have it. And I've worked for the past 20 years to acquire the skills to be able to teach that to people in a way that makes sense while having a background that they can identify with. Cause if you had somebody that's talking about this, but that's not necessarily been gone, been through it, would you no. listen? Would you listen to somebody that doesn't have the experience? No, especially yeah. kids won't.
1: No. So, what do you, yeah. what do you think is like your biggest, like you say, releasing your content, like who, who, what people fuck with you or give you the most pushback all the time that you see?
2: Cause I, I feminists, <laughs> i can't answer that question easily no but feminists and so weak men <laughs> so about 50 i would say about 50 to 60 percent of men out there are fucking bitches and they're weak men they're weak mm. ass men they feminists give me a lot of shit until they admit they will never admit that to in person they will never admit that in front of a camera but as much as feminists and i'm not talking you I know. no let me bring it back there there's three waves of there's three waves of feminism right there's The first wave that wanted to be able to vote to have equal rights. And the second was, so the first wave wanted to vote. The second wave wanted to have equal rights in the front, in the face of the law, which that any human being, whatever your sex, your color, you could be green and purple. You need to have, we're all the same when it comes to that. But the third wave of feminism that we see today, they want to replace the world that they believe is a patriarchy by a matriarchy. That's what they want to do. Mm -hmm. But. You, you know, the people that don't, the women that don't like my message is the, the women that I say that if you're fat and ugly and you don't understand sexual value, you don't understand that you can control any men on this planet by embracing your feminine energy and being, just being beautiful and desirable, you can control the most powerful men on this planet. Those are the feminism that don't like my message. Cause if you think that women do not rule the world, you're a fucking moron and you're fucking ugly. That is what the, the problem That's is. <laughs> Cause, Look at the statistics. Seventy to eighty percent of the money that is spent is by women. Explain mm-hmm. to me how you, us guys here are only spending twenty percent of money. How the fuck does that make sense? If if we're the one controlling the world, I can tell you. we might be controlling the companies, but the person controlling our wallet yeah, is a woman. Exactly. What I said they're spending our I money. Said, <laughs> I said that. I said yo. I said, that. I said that on. I
1: said that on this fucking podcast. I said I like yo. The most fucking powerful yeah, men in the world are controlled by women. They can fucking they can make dictators there- invade
2: fucking countries just for them. It's happened before. Yeah. Is there something more desirable than an extremely feminine woman that embraces her femininity? Is there something more beautiful on this planet than that? No. Be be honest. No. no. None. They're fucking crazy. Those women are crazy. They're gonna scratch your card, but they'll give you the what? best the best sex you've ever had. They will be. They will drive you absolutely ballistic. But is there something more beautiful than that? Oh, no, I
0: mean, that's what we, that's why we do all the shit that we do anyway. That's why we get the ah. money,
2: get the cars,
0: get the house, get the clothes. It's yeah. all to get the women. Even when you got yeah. a woman, it's the, it's for the it, same reason.
2: It's Chris Rock that made a joke about that. He's like, if it wasn't for the fact that we want to impress women, we'd fucking live in card boxes, yeah. <laughs> like cardboard boxes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was it doesn't take much to please me. And me neither, man. I, mean, I don't give a fuck. Don't. Yeah, and
3: when they say men are simple creatures, yeah. that is true. It doesn't take much to make us happy. Yeah. We need the very minimum, and we can we can do repetitive stuff over and over again, and be sad be sad. content. Be satisfied for sure.
2: Exactly. I can eat eat the same fucking thing 50 times in a row and be good.
3: And be like, oh, you want something different? But but
2: that that goes back to what you guys – sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Please. I was going to say that goes back to what you guys were saying earlier. You guys were describing your grandfather, and it's fucking beautiful because one of the things that you said is do the fucking work. Like they were just, they shut the fuck up. They knew they had to do something. They had to be providers for their families. They had to get up in the morning. No matter how they felt about the work, they just did the fucking work. And that's what men do. That's what a good man is supposed to do. You're supposed to protect your family. You're supposed to be a provider. You're supposed to have the balls to go after what you want. You're supposed to have self-control. And you're supposed to have faith. Faith in yourself, faith in others, and in something bigger than yourself. That's something in you know you have to believe that you're here for a reason or else what the fuck is the point hey, um,
1: that's, that's fucking facts man listen like I don't I understand how these feminists, feminist women feel but it's like yo at the end of the fucking day if somebody I always tell a if this if somebody breaks in a fucking house and you got a man here <laughs> you gonna be the first at the say. door <laughs> if you such yep. a strong and powerful woman yep. go ahead I'll wait till you I'll protect the kids you yep. go to hit the threat head on
2: It's not like that. It's like, you'll you'll be a
3: feminist till you actually need a man to do something for you. And then it's like, what happened to the feminism at that point? Yeah. You know what I mean?
2: Then you kind of actually, and you know, the most amazing, but this is the most amazing thing. Exactly what you're saying. If you need men, if you need somebody to do man shit, you need a man. Everybody's a feminist until shit hits the fan and you need somebody to put themselves between you and whatever the aggressor is. Every single time, it's like that. Yeah, I I call
0: them feminists, though. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
0: it's, because a lot of this stuff is for social media. Like, let's just say the right what we think is the right thing, so other people can applaud us and give us likes. They don't really think that because, like, listen, we've all been laying in bed and hear a noise at night, and who gets the tap? (laughs) Go see who that. Go see what that is. You understand? We all get the tap. So it's like the same people who say that, including men, because there's a bunch of men on there acting like men on social media acting like bitches
1: too.
0: They give their tap. (laughs) But you get the tap. tap. But you get that tap and you gotta go see. It's like, but guess what? That goes down to what you were saying earlier too. I feel like that goes down to our basic structure, like what we were made to do. Made to do. I'm made to protect.
2: You're bigger, you're stronger, you you hold more muscle mass, your bone density is bigger. You're meant to be hunting, to be protecting. Those are your two main things that you're supposed to do. And all the feminists out there that say that they don't want a strong man, I guarantee you that the guy fucking them are fucking strong men. They don't fucking date better mills. They say that that's what they want, but none of them wants to be fucked by a better mill. I guarantee you.
1: Hell no. Look look at it. Like, I always bring it back to the animal kingdom. Look at a fucking line.
2: Uh, they say the women line <laughs> do all oh, the fuck. Yeah. The women line do all
1: the hunting and the men sit around. But when the fucking other male line comes to invade that pride, that male line will fucking fight to the death, whether it's one or two of them to protect the kids and his fucking pride. He'll go to fucking, he's going out there mm-hmm. knowing that he's about to probably die. And he, either he'll win or he fucking yep. lose his life. Pretty much. You know? And uh, and if he fucking loses a fight and he survives somehow, he can't fucking mate again. The women won't want him. They'll take the nope. stronger new male that's nope. fucking strong, that can protect them, and he's in charge of the pride now. Do
3: you see,
2: do you see It's funny how that works, huh?
1: Yeah. Do you
3: see female yeah. lions creating cool the pride?
1: You never see because Have you ever do you no, ever see a female no.
3: lion leading a pride?
1: No, they do no. all the important. I'm not going to lie. They do most of the important work. They do all the hunting. They take care of the, yeah, it. They take care of the cubs. But when shit gets when shit, like you said, when shit hits the fan, it's usually the man out there ready to fucking fight to the death. And in the back of that line, he knows I'm about to probably go die facing these males because yes. I can't let them kill because he can't let them kill our cubs. That's my next generation. I got to protect them cubs and them women and them female lives love their cubs. So that man will fucking go out there and risk it, risk everything knowing that his family's okay.
0: Do you think we are losing touch with that part of us though? Like when I say us, I'm not really talking about us, but the new, even the newer generation or like they're losing touch with their basic God given instincts. Like, you know what I mean, like letting the the new feminism kind of take them over, like oh no, I'm not, I don't, I don't identify as a male or whatever. You know what I mean, like go, going into that type of stuff. Do you think we're losing touch as a people with that way of thinking?
2: Um, to a certain, yes, I think we are, and it might not be. I don't know how old you guys are, but you seem like you're between thirty and forty. Yeah. If I if I can take when, a I'll shot see, in the gas at 40 Close Yeah, but I'm sorry, <laughs> but you know, the expression black don't crack. So you guys can all fuck off this. You guys never look your age. It's fucking bullshit. It's bullshit, but it's, it, but it is what it is. Right. Um, it's, you know, to yes, but especially the younger generation, especially the, 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 the I, I'm worried for the boys that are getting raised right now that they're being taught in school. Cause in the school system, it's 86% from memory, our teacher are women. So our boys are being taught by women. They're being treated. If you look at the education system about the psychology behind the education system, it is meant for women. It is, it was, de- it is designed for girls. How can you expect a boy, if you would have put me in school when I was a kid, Today, I would have been filled with drugs because I was always moving. I've been competing in sports since I can remember, since I'm probably 10 years old, because my mom figured out that I needed an outlet to burn that energy. And to this day, I still were, I still hit the gym six times a week and normally an hour and a half, two hours a week. I'm 40 years old. But yeah, and I'm in better shape than most 20-year-olds, as in 99% of 20-year-olds. But this is the way I am. I've always been that way. But today, the boys are not treated that way anymore. They're treated as little girls. So they're pumped with medication so that they stand still. Can you imagine having all that testosterone running through your body and you're being told that you can't use it, that you need to be still like a little girl would be? The education starts so young now to teach them to be more like little girls. Then you have the teachers telling them that there's no difference between a little girl and a little boy anymore. We're not allowed to say that... A little man is stronger, faster, and more agile than a little girl. But then at the other side, a little girl is more empathic. It's more compassionate. It has more emotion. It's more loving. And those are all characteristics that make sense as they grow older. Because think about it. Who the fuck do you want to take care of your kids? Somebody that's more aggressive or somebody that's more compassionate? Mm.
0: Compassionate.
2: Same thing applies to look at... um Look at engineering. I was a sales engineer for 12 years. I just retired from that about four months ago. And in my field, 90, in school right now and in, in the field itself, 80 to 90% of engineers are men. But then you look at the medical, if you look at doctors now, if you look at studies coming out of the University of Ottawa, which is the biggest university in Canada, more than 70% of people studying medicine right now are women. 86% of people in um, in healthcare right now are women. Do you think that's normal? Do you think that's a problem? No. Boys, we like things. We like to work. We like to see how shit works. We like to fix shit. So it makes sense that the vast majority of people in engineering are men because we see problems, we find solutions. That is the way, that's how we do it. Women are more compassionate. They're more empathic. What the fuck do you want from a doctor or from a nurse? Do you want somebody that cares? Do you want somebody that's compassionate? Just imagine being pregnant. Can you imagine being pregnant for nine months and not wanting to kill that kid when it came out? Mm. As a man, be honest with you. You have a kid inside you for nine oh, months. You would I want to even kill it when imagine having it came a out. kid
3: inside me, so. Uh,
2: <laughs> but, but see, but that's my point. So. Who's the best at taking care of kids? Do you think it's a man or it's a woman? And I'm talking generally. There's exceptions to every rules out there. But in general, a woman is better at caring. You know, the expression I like to use is boys like things. Women love people. Yeah, It's Mm. that simple. And I don't know why we deny it. I don't know why it's such a shame to say that there are gender roles. If you look between my, my girlfriend does not have to work. I make enough money to make sure she does not have to work. She helps me out on the business aspect of things. Like there's a lot of things that she does in the back end because I need her help and I can't necessarily afford to have somebody dedicated to what she does, but she does not have to hold a job. And that is my, that is my job as a man is to be the provider that she needs me to be, that my family needs me to be. So wh- why is that a shame to say that? You know, I, I like to fuck with her and tell her I have a magic floor because whatever dirty clothes I throw on the ground, it always disappears and it's folded back in my drawers. <laughs> like I have a fucking magic floor, right? I'll take that floor. <laughs> but, but, you, but my girlfriend takes care of me. Right? She cooks for me. She cleans because she knows I work 12 to 14 hours a day. Weekends does not matter because I make money and I want her. I want our future kids, I want the future grandkids to be taken to, to not have to struggle the way I did when I was younger. But that's my job as a whole, as a man. And we agreed that that's my job and she'll take care of the rest. Why is that bad? It's been like that for thousands and thousands of years. But 20 years ago, a fucking feminist convinced us that women are genetically not engineered to take care of people. I'm not just saying, I'm not just saying kids, but look at your families. Tell me that it's not women that hold family yeah. togethers. Your grandmother, grandmother, no, I saying. Saying. they're always, always the glue. Always. They're yeah. always the glue. You have two men, two brothers that are arguing about something, and there's a woman somewhere that's gonna bring them back together and say, "You guys are assholes. Mm-hmm. You guys are brother. Fucking deal with your bullshit." But at the end of the day, it's always a woman that brings it down. Why is it a problem? To say that women are better at things and we're better at others. What the fuck's the problem with saying that? I don't get
1: it. I don't see, I don't see it if you I, I don't get it either. I don't. I really don't. Like, In all like seeing. my mother, like, like I said, I was raised by my mother at a certain point and my mother take care of us. It's four, it's four boys. Like, I, but my mother right now doesn't have anything to worry about. My mother can say, Hey, I, my grass needs to be cut or I need my fence put up. Hey, this is broke. That's broke. Me and my brothers, without fucking hesitation, we're on the move. And don't let you think you're gonna do anything anything harmful to her, because it's not it's, asked, it's not another question. We are gonna give our life for that woman. That woman nurtured us, took care of us, and, and, and helped raise us. She gave us all the love, you know. Did the best job she can do with us. So at the end of the day, I'm I'm here to protect that. I'm here to protect that love that she gave to me. And and we don't know how as men how to express that. That Karen side, but we know how to put that that protection on and all <laughs> we do. Our, we give our mothers hugs and kisses, but it's that protection, that man side that we we reflect to them. Go ahead, Dre.
0: I've been told I'm too aggressive. <laughs> I've been told I'm too aggressive. Oh, you're 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 toxic, bro. Stop yeah. being so toxic. Fucking well, Christ. The, the thing is, like with my wife, we had our we had our nieces staying with us for a while. We, you know, we took care of them. They're little, they're two little girls. Yeah. And her discipline and my discipline is different, even though she would do certain things that I wouldn't do because I'm like, nah, I'm a man, I can't do that. I don't, want, yeah. I don't want to do that. But the way I deal with them is more like it was more aggressive, not because I want to scare them, but just because, listen, you're going to listen to what I say. And this is mm-hmm. how I'm going to lay it out. I don't really give you the option to talk back or none of that stuff. It's just it's one, two, three or it's you know, or we can't do it at all. You know what I mean? And I think that with that women, man, listen, (laughs) I ain't going to bash women or nothing like that. But I think that when they haven't had men in their life, because that's a big problem as well. They don't understand how a man needs to be in order to keep things in line in their house. They don't understand that. So they, they get things, um, they get things switched up, too. I just think it's lack of fathers. Lack of good fathers being in people's lives that are really throwing people for a loop and getting them talking this
2: nonsense that they're talking right now. But we're so, castrated. It's... But we're castrated. Men in today's society, strong men are castrated. Look at the family. Look at how family law works. Automatically, mm. if you you're, you and your wife have kids and you get divorced, which, by the way, 80% of divorces are started by women. Mm. So in most of those cases, if not 90 to 100% of those cases, women get, by default, we presume that women are the best of the two parents, and they should have those kids. If your wife, if your ex does not want you to see your kids, you're going to fucking fight to see Mm -hmm. them. If she's a good woman and she knows the value, because I'm not saying that there's no good woman. Again, that's not what I'm saying at all. But there's a lot of injustice when it comes to the way men are treated in today's society when it comes to children. And that's why I don't have kids to this day. Not because I've been having fun since I'm 14 years old. It's real. I've never found a woman until now that I knew that would not fuck me. That if something were to, my, my girlfriend does not believe in divorce, right? She knows that I'm stuck with her for the rest of my life. And there's nothing I can do about it from now on. It's not necessarily my... There's nothing I can do about it. She believes in family first. So... But she understands that a man needs to be there. I understand that a good woman needs to be there. And a kid is not a negotiation tactic. You don't use your fucking kids to get at somebody else because you're vindictive. Mm -hmm. There is just... And you know what? We went... The women went from not having... As many rights as men to having more right than men when it comes to family, when it comes to just the justice system in, in, in a whole. I don't know in the states that you guys are, That's but cool you know that where I'm from, where I'm from, if my girlfriend calls the police on me and she's the one that started it, let's say my girlfriend is a crazy, is a crazy bitch. She hits me. I could call the cops on her to say, Hey, come get that woman before I fucking smack her. I'm going to be the one that's being escorted because there's a problem in a home and there's a dispute between a man and a woman. The man in Canada is always escorted out of the house. It doesn't matter who started it. This is fucked up, but this is how it works in Canada. I don't know for you guys in the state, but where I'm from, this is, this is how it works. As
1: far as that, like I can speak to both of them. Like I'm going to speak firstly on the kid. Like I'm a single parent father. Like I got my daughter who's who's 20 now. She's in college.
2: Yeah. yeah, good for I, you, bro. Sorry yeah. to cut you off, but good for you. First and foremost, yes. good for you. Sorry to cut you off. Go back, but I have to tell yeah, you. Yeah, so for you.
1: I remember, dude, going to court and the judge literally telling me, "Give me one good reason I shouldn't take her from you." Every time my, my child's mother took me to court, name good one. One reason I shouldn't take. Her. I like she don't have nowhere to live. Like I got everything that this kid needs. I was nervous every time I went to fucking court. I was automatically fucking losing. I already came in there with a loss. Only thing that saved me, this woman didn't have no place to stay or she didn't have a job or she wasn't doing well. Every fucking time I went to court, the judge automatically told me every single time, give me one reason I shouldn't take this kid from you. I should take no reason a man should raise his kid. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm how fucked up is that? I seen a, how fucked up is fucked that? Up. And I told the story for I seen a grown man fucking in tears telling me a story he had fucking lost his kids from his wife. She, his wife. She was doing drugs. She sold her kids. He went and got the kids back from the person he sold the kids to. And he was fucking crying in tears. He's like, when I go in this courtroom today, all she got to say is she's fucking clean and this judge is going to take these kids from me. I'm trying yeah. to do everything I can to fight to keep my kids. But when I'm fucking go in this courtroom, I'm going to lose my kids. And he was, I mean, fucking tears. I'm like... And I'm saying this is my first time going to court like, yo, what fucking chance do I have of getting my kids? And here is this man fucking telling me this woman not only was doing drugs off the kids, sold the kids and lost them a second time. She went to some drug rehab program and she was going back because she completed the course to get the kids back. I like, I don't fucking stand a fucking chance. Mm-hmm. I don't stand a chance. Like, how the fuck? This is a good man. I don't stand a fucking chance when I go in this courtroom.
2: Uh, I, I had a buddy of mine I grew up with exactly his, his girlfriend was a fucking crack addict. They got separated. They're high school sweethearts. They've been together since they're 14. By that time, they're early 20s, like 22, 24. They got a kid together. He's going to court to say that woman's on drugs. She's a fucking crack addict. She is a danger to my child. They still gave her the child. My buddy could not see her he has he, he did not see her for years until she became old enough now she's like 18 or 20 but back then she couldn't he could not see her because the court system was in favor of her no matter the situation that she was in but how fucked up is that so, hey, that's what pissed me off y'all feminists
1: want everything to be equal playing field make everything an equal fucking playing field make it when i go to see that fucking judge I got the same rights as you as a woman. So if you are a little more fucked up to me, financially or mentally, you lost. That's it. If it's, a equal, if it's such mm-hmm. an equal, it's an equal like this. If your mentality is off and your finances off, you lose. I win, give me my kids, and let me go about my business. But it don't work like that. They can be fucking damn near homeless. They will give the women the kids, and on top of that, fucking kill you on child support so you can make them have a better fucking life To hopefully pull them out of poverty, while you live in a fucking shoebox, is a fucked up system,
2: you know. And it's just (laughs) it's ridiculous. ridiculous. And you know, I got somebody asked me the other day, why do I post all this shit that I post about? What do I fight for? Because that guy in his life is he's a guy I've known for about twenty years, and I met him through martial art, and he doesn't understand because he's like in my surrounding, all I see is good men. I'm like, bro, yeah, because you're in martial art. All the guys that are around you are good men, are mentors to young men. So you're not surrounded by all the assholes that I see on a daily basis. You are not one of them. And thank God for what you do because he helps a lot of young men with the male male support and the male role models that they need. But just look at social media today and tell me that masculinity... Is not disrespected and talked about and talked against, should I say, on a daily basis. It is one after the other after the other that complains about men being men. Yeah, is, they call it what, is it toxic. Yeah, to- no. go ahead, right. Yeah,
0: toxic masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> but, Absolutely. But. You, it, it it's a trigger word. And that's why I say everything is more clickbait than anything. People just like to talk to hear themselves talk. It, most yep. of the time it's not based in any, in any actual um fact. It's just how they feel. And, and, and I personally don't, you know, I don't subscribe to none of that shit. I'm old school, yep. man. <laughs> I'm
2: old school. You know school. what the bell, you guys know what the bell curve is? What a bell curve is. Yeah. So the bell curve shows 80% of people sit somewhere in the middle. And the two extremes on each side represent 10% each. So 20% of the people are extremists, both on the left and on the right. Those are all we hear on social media. And the 80% in the middle don't talk. They just look at what people are talking about. And unfortunately, a lot of us sitting in the middle don't have the balls to say what we want to say because we don't want to lose our jobs. I was in sales and I was representing my company and customers And we're talking high-end sales. I wasn't selling fucking shoes here. But I could not talk for the longest time. Now I'm not employable anymore. Because of the past four months, I retired from my work. And I've been putting the real stuff I've been wanting to put out for years now. Now they won't hire me anymore. Nobody in my field will hire me because I am saying the things that nobody wants to say. That nobody wants to say. And I don't give a fuck. It needs to be said. And most people like you need... To say those things because it is a fact that masculinity is needed. Women love real men. And the people that we hear out there do not represent the majority of us. Yet we give them the microphone instead of just calling them out for what they are. Fucking Jewel. Fucking right. I mean, let me ask you a
0: question. Because I, I remember you say you were out in the cab. You were out in the, in, in the cabin in the woods for, you said, a year and a half? Two and a half, yeah. Two and a, oh, goodness gracious! All right, even better. Um, and you were out <laughs> by your, you were out by yourself for
2: the first year and a half.
0: Yeah, the I was there with my half. dogs. Yeah. So to me, how important? And I know this is about to be a um, maybe a redundant question, but I really wanted to tap back in on that. How yeah. important was self reflection? Because I feel like there's a lot of things that I figured out later in life. Um, I'm 38 now, so once I got to you know maybe about 36. I started getting really into self-reflection and yep. it kind of, it taught me a lot, like, wait a minute, maybe I need to change these things. Maybe I need to get back in touch with my alpha maleness. And we had this conversation on this platform um a couple of weeks ago. So how important was self-reflection for you and for all men to be quite honest?
2: It's everything, man. I, I just released a book today, actually. And this is one of the main subject that I speak about is what we call temperance, self-control. You need to you need to be able to do introspection. And one of the strongest tools that you can use is spend time by yourself. Literally spend time by yourself, with yourself, with no distractions. And this is why I did it. I used to live in Montreal, which is the third biggest city in Canada. I lived right on the island. And I decided, you know what? I had an investment property in the middle of nowhere, literally a log cabin. Like what you imagine that a Canadian lives in, this is what I lived in for two and a half years. I was on the top of a mountain in a very remote place, 25 minutes from the closest grocery store, to give you uh, an example. And I could walk my dog for an hour and not meet anybody, and we're on the, the, the main streets down there. So you are in a very remote area. But if I wanted to, if it wasn't for the fact of interaction like we're doing right now, I could not see people for weeks at a time. If I didn't go to the grocery store or I didn't see my neighbor and just said hi to him, I wasn't interacting with people because I wanted to be left alone. I wanted to meet that demon that's inside of me, that monster. I wanted to get to know what I am, who I am, and face that fact and face all the stuff that I've avoided my whole life because we are not taught anymore to self-reflect. We are not taught to meditate. We're not taught how powerful our minds are. We're not, you know, your mind is the strongest tool you'll ever possess. There is nothing stronger than what you can convince yourself that you're capable of doing. There's nothing stronger than that. But you need to get to know who you are first. You need to know who are you right now as we speak not 15 years ago not 20 years ago but who you are right now and how are you supposed to learn that rent a cabin somewhere for a couple of weeks leave your phone at home and go there's nothing more there i would go even further i don't know how open you guys are to uh to weird conversations but I say the weirdest shit on here. One time. of the things I'm a big fervent on, and I don't get to talk, I don't talk I've about this very often, but uh, you guys know what psychedelics are, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I do. So, <laughs> so I'm a big fan of magic mushroom psilocybin. I'm a big fan of ayahuasca. I'm a big fan of combining this with meditation practice in order to access different portion of your being or outside your being however you want to you want to call it but there is there are tools like spending time alone and psychedelics that will help you tap into what you are and Mm -hmm. it is a need every man out there if i don't know if you guys are religious but i've read the bible i've i'm a big fan of buddhist texts and when i think it's when um shit who's the person that wrote the 10 commandments um it wasn't it wasn't moses, moses. it is oh. moses right you you oh, know he, he was, was talking it? he was talking to a burning yeah, bush the
1: bush was supposed yeah. to contain it was a psychedelic
2: it's acanasia yeah. and acanasia is a psychedelic mm. so basically he was talking to god through psychedelics this is what the bible tells you if I've you know. look at it, well, if you want to read about really cool shit, read about Gnosticism and the way they're going to speak about the Bible is fucking interesting. It's very, very interesting to hear, to read, to learn to read between the lines. Every single spiritual text out there, doesn't matter that it's religious, Buddhist. Whatever you want speaks about interacting with God through substances. Well, and mm, speaking on that was and think about it. The Bible tells you that you were made from God. You are a re- you were made from God. That means if I was made from God, that means God is part of me, and I am also God. So I am God. So God is me. So how do I interact with myself? introspection by doing introspection I speak to God
1: well didn't they say something about the wine being mixed with how they came up with the creation of God like wine was mixed with psychedelics and these guys drunk drunk (laughs) the psychedelics and they started creating the image of what they thought was God would be Uh, yeah I read up yeah I'm sorry I'll be into stuff like that
2: (laughs) but but you know It it is, if you look at what psychedelic does, it just rewires your brain. If you look at it under an MRI machine, when somebody is under uh, Mm. psychedelic. So right now, all of your information is interpreted through your prefrontal cortex. So everything that you see, smell, taste, hear, and touch gets to go through the prefrontal cortex. And it is analyzed. And from there, your brain takes a decision. Does he need to know about this? Does he need to do something about it? No. Mm. The subconscious, the automatic portion of you will take care of it. Think about a doorknob. When's the last time you actually had to pay attention to where a doorknob is? The next thing you know, you just look see out a door, you grab the doorknob, you're on the other side. That's your subconscious right. thought that's just doing its job. That's through years and years of your ego or your prefrontal cortex, knowing oh, that you don't need to operate on this shit. It does not matter. The doorknob is there, fucking cross that door. That's all it means. But... That- yeah, go for it. Now I was going to say, like
0: that, that when you get into that and programming and how programmed we yeah. already are, oh yeah, it gets super interesting. I know I've been interested. I know I've been interested in that for a while. That's one of the things I discovered. Um, you know, when I did start going through the self reflection, is like how programmed I actually am, and I wanted to get into kind of deprogramming or at least putting my own programming in. I even went as go. far as recording. I'm, I'm weird. <laughs> So I even went as far as ordering a little, um, ordering a little, um, what do you call it? A little sleep headphones. Yep, yep. <laughs> and I recorded myself because I wanted it to be my voice. Um, recording myself over like a, a, I forget what hurts the the music is or whatever. Like so you're you know, talking myself, about binaural see...
2: beats. You're probably oh, talking yeah. about either delta or theta waves,
0: right? giving myself positive affirmations, like two hours. And I've actually used that and just trying to reprogram and, you know, I mean, get in there when, when I'm on autopilot,
2: you know what I mean? Weird stuff. I don't know. No, but this is what psychedelics give you. So what you're talking about, let's touch about this because this is one of my favorite subjects, but psychedelics under an MRI machine. If you look at the way the brain interprets information and no longer goes through the prefrontal cortex, you have, this is why you can see smell, you can taste visions, like it's fucked up yeah. when you're on psychedelics. A lot of shit does not make sense nope. because your brain does not operate the way it does. It's, it's really your brain has a massive filter and on psychedelics, pop, it pops the filter. So you get to see things the way they're meant <clears throat> to be seen in the same, it, th- that filter starts building when you're about five years old. Right. Yeah. There's a, I cannot remember his name, but there's a psychi- there's a psychologist that explained it this way. If you look at you guys have yeah. kids, you've been around kids. Have you ever noticed when they're very young that they tend to act like there's shit around them that are that you and I don't see? Yeah. It's like they're speaking to things. They're just acting in a way where there's things around them that we're not perceiving. So that psychologist, the way he explains it is. Until the year of five, uh, until five years old, that filter, that prefrontal cortex filter does not exist. So though he, he he explains them, he sees them as a candle. So a candle is not very powerful, but it will create light all around you. We as adults, because of the way the filter works, we're hyper-focused. We're more like a flashlight. So we're looking right there and whatever comes around, our... Um, our subconscious mind takes care of it because it doesn't matter to us, but psychedelics makes you more like a child. It opens up that filter and you tend to see whatever is really around and pay attention to everything that's there instead of being hyper focused on one single thing. Oh, you can speak yeah, on this. Like it yeah, I,
3: I enjoy. I mean, I just did a trip. What's today? Sunday. So I have, I usually do like a weekly trip. I call it like an emotional breakdown of, uh, you know, I go through my week, whether it's good or bad. And then I'll do like a Friday night. And, and it's funny that you say, you know, to take time to yourself. Cause normally when I, when I'm on my trips, I prefer to be by myself. I don't want to be bothered. You know what I mean? I put my phone on silent. I make sure my wife is asleep or going to sleep or I put it to sleep or whatever I got to do. And then, I just, I put yeah, her to sleep. Her then, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, we, yeah, we're that way. I are <laughs> that way. But, um, but yeah, I like, I like to, to a lot of times I'll dive into like, i watch movies or something to kind of get my adrenaline rushing, but there's points like, it's like you can feel. Or, or like when we go to, when we have parties, I'm yeah, always yeah. on shrooms when yeah. we're having parties. So I tell Kev, I can see stuff happening before it kind of happens. Like, yo, I be, I notice things and I pay attention to stuff that I would never normally see because if when I'm not on shrooms, I'm paying attention to exactly what's going on. But when I'm on shrooms, I can like feel, it's like an essence or another, another, it feels like a, it's like an eighth sense. You know what I mean? I'm past the six and seven cents already. It's like an eighth sense and I'll see stuff that people are doing over there while I'm seeing stuff that people are doing over there. Or if I'm home by myself, I can feel like presence around me. You know what I mean? Like there's, if it just feels like there's something else there's here. So I like to keep my brain focused. I'll watch a movie or something and then, but when you get to that point where you're just, when I'm coming down and I'm just like laying down and I'm in, I'm just in relaxed mode, super relaxed mode. I probably got maybe like an hour or two left before these shrooms start dissolving in my mind. It's a reflection point of all the things that you want to attain and and you can figure out a way right then and there to attain them. And then when you come to, it's the motivation that you need. You got to find the motivation to actually get to that point. It's like a breakthrough of you knowing exactly what needs to be done, and writing. then when you wake up, you're like, fuck, how I'm gonna do it. You know what I mean? Because you should keep
0: a journal. Yeah, yeah. You.
3: It's it's not easy but, writing but shit hold on shrooms, that's for sure. Or coming to a complete sentence and making it. I can show y'all shit on my phone from when I'm on shrooms and I'm trying to write or record something. And as as my brain pops an idea, as mm. I'm going back to that idea and start retracing the shit, there's another idea popping. You know what I mean? It's, and there's no filter. It just happens, 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 happens. It's like the sparks in your brain. Like they say, when you smoke weed, there's receptors that are connecting that make you see, smell or taste things. And it makes it more exuberant. It makes it, uh, everything is a little better when you're smoking weed. When you're on mushrooms, I mean, I don't eat when I'm on mushrooms. It makes me, I tend to get sick, but when I'm on mushrooms, Everything has a different just feel in general. The conversations that I have with people are just different. The aspects of my views of what someone tells me compared to what I may think is going on. It's just different. And they pop nonstop. So my receptors are just Boop, 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 boop. And I, and I know once I come down, I've gone through so much of my brain moving and working that that next day I'm sluggish. I'm broken down. I'm tired. I, I mean, shit, I went to bed last night. I took shrooms on Friday. I had a full day Saturday. I went to bed last night at like 11 o'clock after eating dinner. And then I woke up today for my daughter. She talked to me for like 30 <laughs> minutes. We both fell asleep. I woke up in time to rush to get to the podcast today. So I pretty much gotten, I have to say a good 14 hours of sleep just, and I know it's because I'm, my body is trying to recoup. My brain is trying to come back from the nonstop repetitiveness of all the things that's firing off and there's no filter. You know what I mean? Like, especially when I'm watching movies, i be in awe. <laughs> I just watched 47 Ronin for the first time on Friday. And high off bro. It is like my favorite <laughs> movie right, ever. But, uh, but, but, can, but you, but, can I do a
2: suggestion?
3: Aspects from the movie.
2: Can I make a suggestion though? I, I, I'm gonna because I'll be really honest with you, and I don't want to be an ass by what I was I was going to say. But you're mm. doing it wrong. This is not meant to be used that way. What? How much? How much? How many grams do you do when you normally do About mushrooms? Eight. An eighth, you're talking an eighth of a gram or an eighth, of an, eighth ounce? of an ounce. Jesus. eighth of an ounce. So that's 20. So that's 28. So you're doing, okay. So you're about three, three grams, grams, three and a half, half, half grams. Okay. So next time you do some, take eye shades, take headphones, put tribal music mm-hmm. on, like really African music, something that has either uh, African music or South American music, something that has rhythm to it. But no distraction. Just put headphones on, shades, cover yourself with a blanket, close your eyes, and don't move for four hours. I
3: wanted to do a – this uh, is what you, you're supposed to, to do. I actually have plans on doing uh, mushrooms and going to a self-deprivation tank. So that's that's my next step
2: at this point. Uh, before you, you're you not ready for that, you're going to flip out, bro. I don't know. You, do, need, do, you need do to do he, the, the – Won't <laughs> you try that? Listen, oh, no, you no, I, I don't know I'm t- – I used to do, I used to do mushrooms the way you're describing. And then I stopped for a very long time because I had a really bad trip on LSD. Like I ended up in my basement shaking like this for about six hours. So you need to learn how to use those things, but do them in a way where it's ceremonial. Okay. Those things are not meant to be drugs used in a party. They're meant to illuminate your mind. Mm. They're meant to, like treat that with respect. This is not a party drug. It is meant For you to be alone in a way where you can introspect, just go deep. If you think it's something watching a movie on mushrooms, imagine being left to yourself, exploring all your demons and having that voice inside of you that's always talking, bes- talking so loudly that you can't do anything else but listen. There's Ooh. nothing else that you can do than to give a 100% of yourself. It's supposed to scare you. I've been doing this shit for years and to this day, I am scared shitless. Before every time I makes I do some every ayahuasca ceremony I go to I am scared shitless because I never fucking know what's got what I'm gonna experience. But experience it in a way that you're alone with yourself to do introspections with no distraction except the voice in your mind. See, mm.
1: see, I want to try ayahuasca. Mm. I keep hearing it, and I hear that it breaks, it, like it breaks your fucking ego down. Like I had something traumatic, break my ego, but I wanted to do something not so much traumatic, break my ego and break me down. Like, I've really humbled myself. It took us 10 years to get you to try edibles. you ready to jump into Iowa. Hey, bro, I took, listen, (laughs) the first time I did an edible, it's
0: it's guided, though. It's different. It's guided.
1: It's guided because when I did the edible, I was in such a low spice space when I did it. I never... Everything got brighter. Some happiness had been fucking, I don't know how long it's been locked the fuck away, but somehow I was able to escape the fucking closet and come to light. Like where the fuck? I never had this feeling. Like I, I, it used, it's days, man. I used to look in the mirror and like, who the fuck is this person I'm looking at? Like this ain't mm-hmm. me. Like even though I'm looking at this fucking mirror, this is not me. Like where the fuck did I go? I understand that. So when I did the, when I did the edible for the first time, I'm like, oh shit, that's that's that fucking part of me that was fucking lost. Uh, so maybe I got to try ayahuasca because I hate, like I'm at that point right now that I'm always looking in that mirror like, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's, the beauty about ayahuasca is that you normally go there, at least the sessions that I, the the ceremonies that I've attended and I've done... Probably four of them in the past two years. I tend to want to do it once. Sec- when I feel the calling, like sometimes I get the calling. I always have very big doses of magic mushroom with me in case I have the calling, but I haven't done any in like two years now, but I do microdose. Like I, I, I do, I make my own pills. I do it four days a week, but ayahuasca is a beautiful thing because you have a guy that's in charge of the ceremony that's there to give you the medicine, the environment, is perfect for this type of self-exploration it is meant the music is going to be on point the lighting is on point there's people helping around in case you don't feel well because a lot of people in ayahuasca will purge they will throw up like there's a there's a birth bucket next to you with kleenexes because you might shit your pants you might have to run to the bathroom like there there's your body rejects like there's a lot of bad in your body right And I've never experienced those things, but I've been doing this shit for a long time. But I've seen it live. I've seen a lot of people run to the bathroom or throw up. And it's not a, I'm done. It's, ah, it sounds like it fucking hurts. But there are people around you to, hey, bro, it's all good. Come, come. We'll, We'll go somewhere else. I'll take care of you. This is the beauty of those ceremonies. This is why that we like to call it medicine, but it's meant to be treated with respect. Because it is meant to be used as a tool to get to know what and who you are. So, what you're talking about, like your buddy's making fun of you that 10 years to do edible, it took me three years to convince my best friend to do ayahuasca. Now he's done it without me and he wants to become somebody that will deliver medicine. So, I went to, I, it went from him not wanting to try it because it was a drug to him liking it so much that he wants to help people discover how powerful it is. Mm. So, you should try it, bro. If you, you have the chance to experience it. I, I don't know where you're from. If there's people, I know that if you're ever in Canada, I can introduce you to people that do ceremonies all the time. They're, they're legal in Canada. They're under one of the three churches that are allowed to distribute that medicine. So if that's something you want to be into, we'll talk after and I can, I can introduce you. I can put you in contact with them, but man, I highly, highly suggest that you try it at least once in your life. We should take a group. For sure. No questions. We should take a group.
0: True. Can can I, I was going to say that too. Um, Can I ask you, I, I no, you can't.
2: Sorry. Sorry. No, good. <laughs> <laughs> that when
0: those, when those guys are purging, when they're purging and they're like throwing up, because I heard the same thing. Um, yes. They're throwing up there. After they get done, like maybe I guess later on that day, the next day, how do they feel?
2: Well, see, and so there there's a few portions, right? The, the to a ceremony, if if we go into details, there prior to the ceremony, the guys are gonna meet you. They're gonna see what type of person that you are, how what are you trying to get out of this whole experience, right? Mm. During the two weeks prior to a ceremony, they're gonna ask you to remove a lot of things from your life. So no social media, no violent movies. They want you to disconnect from they want you to start planting seeds of what are you trying to accomplish? What is? the goal, what are you trying to do with that ceremony? What's your intention? Mm -hmm. Then they're going to ask you to go on a special diet. It's basically a vegan diet. So you remove everything that's animal-based, no coffee, nothing that will change, that will alter your mind. Because – one of the things that we don't understand about something like coffee, it is a mind altering drug. It will change the way your mind functions. Same thing with alcohol, same thing with sugar. So they ask you to remove all the, the, the things in your life that might affect your mind so that you're just with your mind, yourself. So that's two weeks prior. They ask you to do this. Let's say you show up on the Friday night where everybody arrives, then they want you to just be present, just get rid of your cell phone, just leave all the extro- electronic aside, meet the people that you're going to be spending the weekends with because you're going to pass a very intense time with them during that time period, that period of time, right? right? Then on the Friday, the ceremony starts. So you don't know what to expect. You never know what to expect. I don't care how many times you've done it. It, it will always be different. But... Mm. A lot of the experiences can be great experiences. Like, I've had experiences on the Friday that were absolutely terrible. I did not enjoy them. It was scary as fuck. But I'm to a point that I understand that it's not in my control. There's nothing I can do to fight it. And if I fight it, it's going to be even worse. I just need to accept that I have to go through this. During the four hours, it might suck. But afterwards, it might be a day after it might be a week after there's realizations that i've had months and months after the experience that i'm like holy shit that's what this meant so whatever the trip that you have might suck during the time but eventually it will make sense you will what we call integrate the experience think about ptsd for example is one of the best thing if you have some type of trauma let's let's see a soldier for example a soldier that's been to war that had to do shit that his brain cannot comprehend. Because if you look at the psychology behind it, the issue with trauma, especially with soldiers, is not what they were ordered to do. is what they chose to do for themselves. And they know that they have nobody else to blame them themselves for what they did. Because they weren't ordered necessarily to do it. They just did it because it needed to be done. Mm. this triggers what you call your fight or flight responses so your brain when you think about it when your brain starts thinking or there's something that triggers your ptsd your brain basically shuts down so anything that is logical about you is not there anymore so you will never be able to face that trauma which is why those guys never really cure themselves unless They do psychedelics. Psychedelics is becoming one of the best techniques in order to treat PTSD. Because as we were saying, it removes that filter. It just pops what triggers your fight or flight response and allows you to see what you've been wanting to face all those years. But that your brain would not allow you to. So whatever the experiences in your life will come in those, ex- in those situations. So let's say that you have a big trauma in your life. You don't even remember it. It mm. will, it will show up. Your first trips will not oh. be pleasant ones. You will experience some really fucked up shit. You, you might throw up physically. You might throw up and have diarrhea, but mentally you will relive all of the traumatic shit that you've never had the chance to deal with. Those are normally the first ceremonies. Is it brutal as you're going through it? abso fucking It is Is it the biggest gift that you can give yourself to free yourself from this? abso fucking During the experience might not be fun. Maybe that the Friday is going to be a really bad experience. Then you have to go through the next day knowing that you have to do it again on the Saturday. So the Saturday might be good, might suck again. But then I guarantee you, That on the Sunday, on the Monday, and on the week prior to the after it, and the weeks after that, it will come to you in a way of understanding why you were a certain way. Because you finally got the chance to face it for what it is without your ego trying to tell you that you shouldn't confront whatever happened to you. So it might suck, but I guarantee you it is the best gift you can ever give Mm -hmm. yourself.
0: I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just throw something out there and I think it's important, right? I do think and I have these things and I'm a, I'm gonna get real with y'all real quick. I'm gonna get super real. I feel like I have a mask that I have built over the years. You know, I don't know how to break it down right. like by myself. I don't yep. know how to break it down, but yep. it's a mask. It's the mask that, hey, when I'm when I'm the guy that comes around to the family functions, I got to be the funny guy. I got to you know, what I mean, I got to be that for everybody else. I got to do that for everybody else. And I know that a ceremony like that would help me either understand, try to break, the, try to remove that mask, whatever it is. But that's kind of what I'm getting is that it, it gives us a chance to remove these masks that we all built around us or on our face and be real with ourselves but
2: that's just terrifying and it should be but it should be but it should be scary it scares me today if you told me that i have an opportunity right now i don't feel the calling i don't feel the calling to do any of those psychedelics because i treat it as as instinctual like that's why i always have some with me because one day maybe Next week, I don't know, I could go through something next week and say, you know what, those are questions that I don't have answers to, and I'm going to go dig deep. I'm going to go try to figure out what the fuck am I supposed to do here. But it's supposed to be scary. It's still After all these years, it scares the shit out of me every single time because I never know what can happen. But at the same time, I have experienced, I have been touched by God in one of my experience. I spent four hours in the presence of God. So I've had some of my best experience that I've ever lived, as I had the worst experience in my life. Like I was saying, ended up in a basement shaking like this, like, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck? So it's... One thing is for sure. It it might suck during the time, but what my friend always says before the the ceremonies is, everybody's going to go through it, and it will finish for everybody at 1.2 you will not be stuck in that situation forever this is something that will be done within a couple of hours like four hours normally depending on how fast you absorb it but there is a beginning there is a middle part and there's an end to every single ceremony and you see that that fucking twitch you have there uh, that's the same fucking twitch i get Terrifying. but i get that twitch every single time yet i've done it many many times that's... but it still scares the shit out of me it's normal this if if that's what you get out of this that means you're probably ready to do it because you oh, understand shit. what it impl what what the implications
1: are yeah bro i'm just like he said the mask yeah i am Man. petrified to fucking pull that mask off because i am going to be fucking hard f- why it's gonna be hard f- like i know why? how much Yo. Tr- they know, but as much fucking trauma as I, cause I know that I went through so much and seen so fucking much that I just fucking packed it in yeah. a fucking bag. And when I unleash that fucking bag, I know I'm going to be scared. Like I'm going to be fucking petrified. All this shit that I put demons and everything that I put fucking shit. I was terrified of, I'm just like, I'm, I want to do it to get it out. Cause I, it'll probably make me normal again or somewhat normal. But I am fucking petrified of opening that fucking opening pretty much Pandora's box.
2: (laughs) So I know this shit. But yet it's the greatest gift. It is the greatest gift you can give yourself. I got goosebumps. Is to know. But it is the best gift you can give yourself. What are you. Can you honestly tell me right now your purpose? What is your life purpose? Why would you put on this earth can that's you can you answer that question I, nope nope that's, that's why the only reason i want
0: to do it i, do it. I, I know i, I, know I want to create that's the only thing i know is i do want to create but i feel like I'm, I'm hitting a wall i'm hitting a wall i feel like i need it but i'm terrified but that's where i'm at where you're saying purpose that's what i've been thinking of for pretty much a year straight what is my purpose why was i put
2: on this earth so you know what let let me I just the book I just wrote is called Purpose this is the name of the book the whole book is about how to get to know who you are right now I do not touch about psychedelics because this is a step above this is something that there is work that somebody needs to do on themselves in order to get to the psychedelic part in my opinion this is just my opinion there's people that disagree with me and None of us are right. None of us are wrong. This is just my way of seeing it. But right. the whole book that I wrote is about that is for men between 35 and 45. There are for lack of a better term, going through their midlife crisis. Like they're trying to understand who they've become. But this is what the book's about. It's really for guys like you because I've Mm -hmm. gone through this. And the whole book is about what I've been through through my two years of isolation. All the things that I've discovered and I put them into a five-step program that you can go through. And this is what I coach men on because it's important that we get to know this shit because we are meant for something great. Every single one of them Every single one of us here have a reason to be here. And a man without purpose lives a life that's meaningless. What's the point of living if you don't live your purpose? Okay. What the fuck's the point? Because we're all going to die. What, what our life is is between what you decide to do from now for the rest of your life. So you might as well do something you were meant to do. <sighs> Bro. You When you he live
0: fuckers. in your purpose, can nobody? When you live, and I—the one thing I do know for sure is when you're living in your purpose,
2: it's like nothing can stop you. Nothing like can I'm, stop me, bro. Yeah. I'm I'm doing right now what I'm supposed to be doing. This right. is what I'm speaking, which you guys right now was meant to be. This is what I was meant to do today. This is how I'm serving my purpose right now. My purpose is to help men. I want to help young men become good men and mm. good men become great men by following their personal legend, going after their purpose. That is all I'm meant to do. Nothing more, nothing less. So what I'm doing right now is what God wanted me to do at this specific moment in my life. No questions about it. It's not a belief. It's a certainty. Mm. Bro. Wow. Listen
1: like that's what i do man that's amazing, bro,
2: amazing. Bro. But, I mean, but that's man. what i do i like to fuck with people's head who else is who else in your life is fucking with your oh, nobody, head right now? brother
1: nobody, nobody. so we about to wrap this up but before we wrap this up like we got to do a formality we got to get where they can find you at your podcast when it comes out and also your book and where they can find that and and everything. So Mike's all yours, brother.
2: So the, the, I released the ebook this morning. I put it on uh, Amazon. The ebook is there the um, the soft like the soft cover is going to be available probably in the next let's say a week or so the audiobooks being recorded by a narrator right now so within the next couple of weeks that's going to be out too it's it's called purpose how following your personal legend is the answer to your midlife crisis you i'm already writing the second one right now that's going to be for younger men between 18 to 35 which is going to be called the five virtues of a good man. And on social media right now, you can find me on TikTok. It's Nico Lagan coach on YouTube. It's Nico Lagan and on Facebook and Instagram. It's coach Nico Lagan. My podcast is the Nico Lagan show. I just speak to entrepreneurs, fighters, business people, people that I find are good men that can help young men be high achievers. This is what my podcast is about. And starting next week, I will be recording lives with good men. I'm, I'm a big proponent of what a good man is. I believe that we need to go back to our basis or to the past where men knew their roles and were happy to fulfill their roles. So, I do a lot of interviews, like street interviews, where I interview people and I ask them what a good man is. So all I want is to, again, I know I'm repeating myself, but this is what I'm meant to do, is just to help men be good men and become great afterwards. Shit, man. Nice. Bro, man, listen. I
0: Can't ask um, personally
1: more. thank you for coming yeah. and joining us, man. Very like, you fucking... Yeah. Thanks for the yeah. invitation, yeah. man. Yeah, we're we going to wrap sure. this up, but we're going to talk yeah. afterwards because I need the information from you. But yeah, uh, yeah. anybody got any... I was I'm so, so fucking, sure fucking anybody loose Anybody got any more questions? <laughs> 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 thank you for listening to today's episode of the Pain Native Podcast. If you love today's episode, make sure to subscribe. Leave a review. Five stars. We don't want nothing less. If you're an artist, actress, a songwriter, an author, or you're doing something that's interesting and you want to be a guest on our show, please email us at opinionatedpodcastddk at gmail.com. That's opinionatedpodcastddk at com. Thank you. Have a blessed day.